You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rocking and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. Stay song. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I crawled him like I see some, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Enough is enough, and it's time for the rundown. To the rundown. I'm your host, Troy. Sal's here. How you doing, Sal? Welcome to the newest edition of The Rundown, the bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of wrestling. Yes, bi-weekly now. Yes. Or by a lot of things. <laughs> Weekly being one of them. Um, yes. Hey, what's going on, Troy? How you doing, man? Hey, uh, I'm doing good. My Sal, you're a pity hire. Be grateful and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Come on, man. You're going to drop tweets all of us, like, out of, out of the gate? Gonna save that shit for like one hour in. <laughs> anyway, mm. Troy, you were saying? Oh, just that uh, my new Skype recorder doesn't appear to be working. So awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See what we have to go through. We don't have fucking producers or studio or anything professional. We we're literally uh, doing we've this discussed shit multiple DIY. times what's going on in the rundown studio, Sal. You're fucking. Destroying that fourth wall, you bitch. That fourth wall hasn't been <laughs> there the past three years. Anyway. Right. Anyway. What's going on, I guys? Think, I think my old Skype recorder is running now, so I think we might be all right. Oh, I, I have a backup of it right okay. too. So, uh, Jason is here. As you heard, yes, I am here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we... Very missed last nice week. Yeah. actually home. What's yeah, up? There you go. I was just saying that uh, we missed last week, but uh, we're we're back here again. So, so Jason, since it's been uh, two weeks, what's been going on with you? Uh, just fucking doing the damn thing, mm-hmm. working and uh, coaching, and things are going well. Uh, uh, Jackson's new. AU team finished the fall season six and two, so four seed in the playoffs. It's not bad. Uh, so and the two that we lost, we could have easily won. It was just they were sort of they hadn't had many practices, so they were sort of teaching things in the middle of the game and cost us a few runs in games we lost by one run. So you know whatever. Um, it's fall. That's what it's for. So. Um, yeah, and then I was at work today and actually in my office. 
And I got a call because I had to come home because the kid locked him, so I forgot to bring his key to school, so I had to drive all the way home. Now, the, the negative that he did that, and I had to throughout my day, and the positive that I got to finish the day working from home. So there is that. Oh, well, that you helps. Know. Yeah. At least you didn't have to go back to the office. Right, there are definitely yeah. worse, uh, worse things that could happen. For sure. So. Cool. Very nice. Sal, what about you, sir? Uh, oh, it's, it's been a, it's been a year, but, um, recently it's been, it's been a month and my car is once again fucked up and it's the same issue as it's always been, but I'm going to the dealership on November 2nd cause that's the first available appointment they have. Why are you going to the dealership? Cause no one else will fucking do anything about it. It's it's a 2014 hybrid, and Midas replaced the battery, and then it died again. So then they replaced it again under warranty, and they said, hey, we looked at everything. We can't find where the drain, like, if there's a drain. Like, we can't find where it is, right? And the way this hybrid was constructed, the normal mechanic that I go to, he won't touch the fucking thing. Because apparently you have to take the whole like front end apart just to get at anything. And, uh, yeah, so I'm shit out of luck. And the only person I can bring it to now is the dealership. If your battery is repeatedly draining and the batteries are fine, it's almost like 80% of the time your alternator. Right, but they check the alternator. And it's they not. told you they checked the alternator. Sure, but I've had alternator problems before and it's not doing the same thing it would do when there's an alternator problem. It doesn't always manifest in the same ways. That okay, yeah. that's fair. Um, and if it is the alternator, fine. I don't give a shit if the dealership fixes it at this point. I just want it fixed. <laughs> just so fucking sick of it. Uh, I feel like the I feel like the world is sending you a very clear message, Sal. Fuck you, Sal. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually the message that I sent to Sal in the Fantasy Baseball Championship this week. <laughs> That's uh, correct. For those of you who remember, two weeks ago on this very show, when Sal decided to tell me, oh, yeah, wait to see what happens, dude. Well, I waited. I saw an ass kicking. Twas an ass kicking. That is correct. Mm. A twat. A twat. <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, Astra needs yeah. your approval. For what? For uh, being a cool person. <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't hate Astro. Astro's just mean to me in chat. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Astro's mean to all of us in chat. I love you, Astro. That's okay. She seems to but she seems true. to have set her target on me more than anybody else, though. Which I got we big, only, broad shoulders. I'm cool with it, but you know, we only hate the we only hurt the ones we love. Fair point. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so I um, I even changed started. the titties in the background for her. So obviously. Yeah, right. Yeah, I tried. I, I tried. Wish I looked like that with my <laughs> shirt off, gold chain and all. Uh, the dude's wearing a shirt. No, I meant <laughs> yeah. with his biceps, and fucking everything. But that's not what you see. This is what happens with you, Sal. Like yes, you say I, something, I, you're I, wrong, I, and then you go, "Well, that's." I mean, that's not really what I meant. I'm just talking about. Yes, because I smoke weed, so words that come out of my mouth <laughs> don't really make sense sometimes, especially that's when I'm okay. high. <laughs> that's all right. That is a fact. Anyway, hey, I got to talk to you guys about something. 
because uh, Troy's always telling us about all the shows he watched. Well, I, I was watched, about to do. <laughs> but, but before you go there, I watched uh-huh. a new Netflix show. I believe everybody's heard of it. It's called Dama, right? I watched the first episode, so don't spoil it. I'm anything. not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say it was... first weird. episode is creepy as fuck, though. Yeah. It, it's a really well-shot, well-produced series. For anybody who hasn't seen it out there, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. But it also has me have some questions for Troy. Oh, I thought you were going to say about your sexuality. No. Uh, Troy, where, where did you grow up? No, I don't. In Wisconsin. <laughs> but did you grow up in Milwaukee? I know you lived there at one point. I never lived in Milwaukee. Oh, Okay. I thought you said no. I thought you said you did. Okay. I worked there briefly. I uh, worked worked construction there briefly. No, um, I grew up about um, forty miles north of there. Okay. Um, you probably... he did go. He did go once to watch the barbed wire fuckery match in Waukesha, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. Um, nice. I'm assuming you were just a little kid when all that shit was going on in the news, right? With Don- with Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh yeah, I mean I don't remember any of this. Okay. I mean we, uh, you, you know. Both. Well, I mean, okay. uh, Jason, you remember vividly the O.J. Simpson trial because they made it a media circus. I remember coming home from school every day to watch the O.J. Simpson trial. Yeah, yes. same. Live. But I and I remember the name Jeffrey Dama, but I don't think I remembered the details when I was like nine or ten years old. You know, like just that he killed. Uh, I was <clears throat> I was uh, seven when he was caught, so no, I do not recall living through that. And though I may be an acquired taste, I melt in your mouth, not in your hand. Go ahead. No. <laughs> um, no, it's just. Oh, I'm- Fucking coming. <laughs> oh my god. No, it, <laughs> the series has brought up a lot of questions for me because I just I never know like the I never knew like the whole story. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a lot especially with the Milwaukee police department. Um, yeah. But it's just it's just crazy to me. I just didn't know if you had like any local insight. I mean, it was obviously, I mean, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, you hear about how we're sort of serial killer capital of the world um, between Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer and a bunch of other fucking things. And there's, I think, currently another one running around right now. So Plus, he used to <laughs> hang out at that Avery salvage yard. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, we had that, too. Yeah, see, that one I can I can give you a little bit, a little bit more insight on because I was more... I keen uh, in tune to that, but no, man, it's like eh, it was a different time in '91. You know, like there wasn't if if his shit would have been going on right now, everyone would have heard about it. You know, right, right? So, but you know, obviously we, you know, we did hear some things, but I know that uh, people are are. I saw some people getting upset. Um, at uh, at the series for a litany of reasons because people just love to bitch, but people complaining about the fact that like 
he's he's a gay killer like he's a character it's like no he he was a gay dude who killed people like <laughs> you are do you expect them to like gloss over that like you know but i've heard a lot of that like oh it's a fucking it's a, you know, homosexual serial killer it's, you know it's like yes that because that have that occurred right. there's been plenty of other ones that are not but you know other than that i mean this is this is the same country that got mad because they said that mermaids can't be black. So, <laughs> so it's it's all part of, all part of the fun. Right. Uh, I'm glad you're watching it, enjoying it. I I haven't watched it yet. I probably will. I like Evan Peters. Oh, he's really good. He's really good. He's gonna be up for like awards next year when the, when this series comes up. But um, yeah, uh, and you know, American Horror Story creator Ryan Murphy has been the one uh, he made this series and I think he did a really good job um, he's, he did a much better job than he's done on the past like five seasons of American Horror Story but sure see it's funny that people's frame of reference because you say Ryan Murphy I immediately think of the Nip- shield but oh the shield okay I thought you were going to say Nip Tuck that too that too uh, yeah, dude, dude's got fucking talent most of the time. And sometimes he just doesn't know how to finish. Six <laughs> degrees of separation to WWE. Kimber from Nip Tuck ended up being John Cena's girlfriend in the Marine movie. Mm-hmm. Yes! That's mm-hmm. right. That is right. I always thought she was smoking. She was. That Nip was... Tuck got a little weird when they started like bringing in like the midgets and like dudes are humping their moms and like shit got really weird at the end of that show i mean they had a they they had two trans serial killers on there and that shit could be if you look back at it now you're like uh yeah remember um they had the brother and sister and the brother but they weren't trans he was eunuch he had no he had no what's what's yeah he had no he had had no penis or testicles yeah, that was the whole. That was had, the um. The whole thing was he was raping people, and he said I couldn't be me because I don't have a penis. And right. Then but she, strap but on she, him. she was trans. Uh, because, no, because the doctor, was, the doctor fucked not, her and said no, 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 no. The sister wasn't trans. The trans woman came in later. She was the one that dated the son. It was Femke Jensen played her. That's what it was. Yeah. She okay. Yeah. Well. And they made her trans like all of a sudden because when she was starting the show, she was just like the creepy mother who like preyed on little boys because that like her son like seemed to have like a sexual relationship with her, right? Remember that? And then yeah. Christian got with her and was like, "Wait a minute, something's not right." That uh, yeah, show he, was he very was, fucked up, was, especially for the time frame. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. he was able to tell that she was trans because her vagina didn't feel right. Is what it was, which is like that's a little questionable. And nowadays, <laughs> this but was yeah. like 2004, so it was believable back then. Well, it's written. The show was written by a gay guy, though, so you would think he'd be a little bit more, you know, keen on on making things because she was a fucking sexual predator throughout the whole show. So. Oh yeah, she was 100. percent Yeah. The, the, Anyways, the, that. Julia was the worst character on that show, though. She was so oh fucking gosh, yeah. annoying. I was yeah. gonna say she was very hateable. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stand which, her. Which is terrible because it took me a while to realize she's actually a good actress. Right. 
100%. But when they did the fucking Carver storyline, that was a fantastic story arc. It really was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was good. And when I talk about the shield, the thing that I always loved about the shield was it was the sort of like the first pop culture TV show in history that really painted the cops as the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a departure from everything else that had been done in that genre ever. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I've always been a Michael Chiklis fan. I think he's fantastic in everything he does. So, Michael Chiklis, um, uh, Walton Goggins. Yep. Yeah. Fucking great too. And they had Glenn Close. They had fucking uh, what's his uh, shit. I'm blanking on the um, shit. Who was the uh, internal affairs officer that was Forrest Whitaker? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like they had a lot of big names on that show. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Yeah, but nowadays it's not not that big of a deal because big movie stars go on TV shows all the time now. But yeah. back in but the day, yeah, yeah, I was like, gonna say back about yeah. 10, FX years used to ago. have like the best fucking shows between mm-hmm. The Shield and Nip Tuck and Sons of Anarchy and Rescue Me, and it was all like those. That was the fucking place to catch all the good shows because it yeah. was it was like the first major network that did you know really high end dramas that sort of open themselves up to swearing and sort of edgy content yeah. and sort of almost so. Skinamax levels of... Oh, yeah. I was going to say, F- so. FX pushed that bar. I mean... Oh, yeah. Sunny in Philadelphia, too, obviously. Yep. The, yep. The, one of the greatest shows ever. I just remember Nip Tuck as being the show that tried so, so, so fucking hard to make sure you didn't see a nipple, but could see everything else on somebody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It was just like these. these now that's police, Chelsea Green's OnlyFans, right? Yeah, these poor people have to spend so much time. But it's like they can sit there and have somebody cut their face off, and <laughs> no, no question from the censors. I remember the Hannibal TV show on on NBC, which I always thought was stupid place for them to be, where they had talked about like, oh yeah, we were able to do all these things, all these like gory things and stuff like that and then we had a, a body fall out of a horse and we had to make sure that you couldn't see her nipple but they had no problem with all of the horse viscera around her body <laughs> it's like uh, yeah I wonder, <laughs> weird how that works that way okay this probably an interesting question well what because everybody has one what's the one show or at least one show that you can think of that you held on to for way too long that you got to a point where it's <laughs> like I'm still watching it but why the fuck do I keep watching it Oh, two come to mind right off the bat. Um, okay. Lo- <clears throat> Lost. Okay, I never saw it. Which I which I watched all the way to the end. Okay. Uh, and the, and The Walking Dead. So it hasn't ended yet, but I still. Watch it hasn't. It, so. but, yeah. Well, and, but do you feel that it's as strong as it once was? No, but I don't feel like I hate watch it either. Yeah, we started to get to that point where it yeah. was like around the the. Uh, spoiler there for five years ago. Around the time that Jesus bit it was the time that it was just like, I don't know that I want to keep watching this. But that was when they brought in the whispers. I actually thought that was, at least the, when they first came in, that was interesting. And I, I, I like that actress who, you know... Alpha. Um, yeah, who played Alpha. But, uh, yeah, that that's probably one of them. I mean, there's, there's other shows that, like... We got to the last season. I'm like, I just got to get through this one because yeah. I've watched it so far. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Fringe was kind of that way. Once it got to like the last season of it, I was like, this has gone so fucking far off the rails on things. 
I don't know. I think it always sort of stayed true to itself a little bit. I mean, it had its moments. It, it you know, it was another one of those ones where, like, Heroes is another one that comes to mind too. Heroes okay. for sure was was a show that, like, when it first started, it was great, and then they literally had somebody do Rey Mysterio six one nine as one of her powers, and I was like, <laughs> this is fucking stupid. <laughs> Alright, so I, I have another one after, but Sal, what's yours? Uh, so the first two that come to mind are The Sopranos, okay. which I thought was fantastic, and then somewhere around season four, things kind of didn't make sense, and then from there it just kind of went downhill, and I still watched it right to the end. Um, okay. And one that I'm currently still watching, and I don't know why, is, is American Horror Story. Uh, that every every single year I'm like, oh I can't wait it's going to be such a great season, they're doing this that and the other thing, and I watch it and by like episode like 4 or 5 I'm like, why? why am I watching this? like everybody else in my family has given up and I'm just like, no it's going to be good for me the one that instantly jumps out of my memory and I don't know if you guys even remember the show there was a show on Comedy Central called Workaholics I remember yes. that show Yep. And Great it got show. to like it was it was really funny at first, and then by the end of it, it was just like, why am I? This isn't even funny anymore. Yeah. It's just how many times can we rehash the same fucking jokes over and over and over again? And the characters just started to get annoying instead of sort of even endearing. It was it was bad. Um, but that leads to one more question: What do you think is one show that's chronically overrated for how well? They, they weave their story arcs together. Uh, so, I was a huge fan of the show House. Yeah. Um, it was a show that, even though it did the like different story every week kind mm-hmm. of thing, they did a fantastic job of keeping yep. you entertained with every with the regular doctors going on and everything going on and managed to switch it up every couple of seasons too because all of a sudden then it was like okay now he's got to pick some interns and like redo his group and now this is going i thought that was a fantastic show that did that um there's a lot of really good shows on right now but i don't think anything has really gone on long enough to kind of give it that distinction Okay. Sal, any jump out to you? Uh, it's okay if you can't think of anything. I, just, I, I can't right now. Nothing. So really for me, and, and it pops into my head because I was just sort of, I just finished sort of re-binging it. Um, it Marvel's Agents of Shield literally like told the stories of the things that you were going to see in the Marvel movies, and you didn't realize you were, they were telling you those stories ahead of time, mm-hmm. and everything weaved together from one season to the next that you got to the end and you were like, oh, everything we went to to make get here makes sense now. And I didn't appreciate it when I watched it sort of every single week. Right. But then going back and watching it, binging it and watching it all together uh, in a short period of time, it, it, it was like, whoa, okay, shit, yeah, that was really well done. Nice. All right, one one last one, and then we'll actually get into some things here. What's a show that you gave up on too early? Hmm. Is it okay if you eventually went back to it? Yeah, of course. Okay. Hmm. Because there's a few of those. 
my my big one is probably Breaking Bad. Oh, so okay. that would have been one of mine, but I never went yep. back to that. Really? See, and I I would I would like to because I hear like oh yeah you know but I was I I gave up on it I think second or third season. I was just like this isn't go and I see a lot a lot of people say like those seasons sucked but once you get past that it's great. Right. And I just never have had the time to go back and like actually rewatch everything on it. See, I, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. It might have been because I hadn't heard about it like in retrospect. Usually it's the opposite. Usually if everybody says it's the greatest thing ever, then I won't like it. But sure. when I started watching it, I, got, I got hooked. I, I thought the characters were really compelling, and I thought the stories were... It, it's easy when you're binging it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but one that I never went back to and I, and I regret not going back to is Better Call Saul. I I didn't even do it on purpose. I just like got busy, and I stopped somewhere in the middle of season three, and everyone's like, "You gotta watch the rest." And I'm like, "I will," at some point. Fair. <laughs> uh, for me, and I ended up going back to it years later, and I this might be a source of controversy. I think for Troy, given comments he's made in the past, uh, Big Bang Theory. Uh, first couple episodes I tried to watch, and I thought it was fucking awful, and everyone told You're me, right. you know. <laughs> Everyone told me it gets funny after the first few episodes, and I finally went back and rewatched it, and I enjoyed it. So, people have a difference of opinion. I think it's it's a, a not a good show. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it it's it's yeah. it's sort it's of not, sh- it, it's not it's, intended to be high value. Um, oh, but when we talk uh, one more, when we talked about shows that weaved throughout the entire run of the show. Perhaps none better, honestly, than uh, How I Met Your Mother. Never watched it, but from what the couple of things I've seen, it seemed good. Oh, you should you you. I think you would like it, honestly. Probably, um, I just don't have time. And you, I have uh, maybe part of of my hatred for Big Bang Theory is I fucking hate laugh tracks. It <laughs> completely takes me out. It takes me out of anything I'm watching. I fucking hate it. Um, yeah. Even when even when shows will throw them in as like a joke thing, I kind of roll my eyes on it because it it's just it it's like it's a trigger for me to be like yeah I'm not watching this, <laughs> and I and I will go back and watch shows that I used to love and be like wow that lap truck is bad. <laughs> okay okay then let's let's end it with this one, mm-hmm. one show that you know intelligently understand that it was horrifically bad. But you enjoyed it. I feel I like half the things I watch. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't even say the first one that came to my mind because it it's still being portrayed as horrifically bad, but it's so fucking funny the way it's being portrayed. Uh, say by the bell. Everybody, okay. everybody looks which, back. Which at, version? Oh, like the original, not not the one when they were in junior high, but the actual. Six of them in high school with Mr. So not Good Morning, Miss Bliss. No. (laughs) Because that was actually the original name of the show. Right, not that. Although I did watch that too. But like, yeah, the height. If you go back and watch the high school time when it's the six Mm -hmm. of them, oh, it's an awfully. It's a terrible. It is now, but I mean, as a kid, you didn't have your. No, of course not. Recognize that, but. But like. I'm more talking about something that you recognized at the time was bad, but you still enjoyed it. Oh, Flavor of Love. Oh, no. <laughs> I think you could throw any of the VH1 dating shows up in that pool, but yeah. 
good, good guess. It's a, it's a lot of, it is a lot of uh, reality TV. I mean, I used to be a big fan of Big Brother. That show's fucking terrible, but it was entertaining to me. Right. Um, Hell's Kitchen is the same thing every year, but I still fucking watched it. <laughs> you know? New season just started, actually. Yeah, and, and it's good to be exactly the same, just with different people at it. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's still entertaining to watch. Um, Dude, I used to watch Cake uh, Boss all the time. I used to watch that, too, and that was ostensibly a terrible show, too. Um, I mean... Anyone else see the shows... Ice Tea and Coco show? I saw that. I didn't watch, <laughs> I think I watched, like, two episodes, but, yeah, that, that was bad. You watched the whole damn thing, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My wife and I were, were absolute suckers for those VH1 shows, I swear to God. Rock of Love. Oh, yeah. Flavor of Love. Fucking I Love New York. Frank the Entertainer. All that shit. We were we would watch all that shit. Yeah. Um, the one that immediately jumped into my mind was the reboot of Knight Rider. I didn't see <laughs> it. I heard of it. I heard of it that we're rebooting it. It was a few years it, but... ago. Uh, the kit was a Mustang. Oh like, yeah. It was. I actually. I for whatever reason it just pushed the right buttons and I ended up enjoying it. Maybe it's the nerd. Maybe it's the fact that I grew up on Knight Rider and it was like. Uh, one of my favorite things when I was a kid, uh, but I, I got into it, but it didn't even last a season. So, yeah, fair enough. The uh, the new Hellraiser comes up tomorrow, so I'll be watching that this weekend. Nice, uh, I'm excited for that. And um, I agree with that. Well. I've never gotten, I've never been able to get into the office, no matter how many times people tell me it's great. Yeah, I've watched it too. Like I, I liked Parks and Recreation better because it was a little bit more slapsticky humor and stuff like that too with Ronan. That like super dry humor. Like I, I get British humor, mm. but when they try to do British humor in American version, it just doesn't I've never work. It never works for me. Um, started watching uh, Outer Range with Josh Brolin, uh, which is an Amazon show. It's really good. I enjoy it. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I've been. I just started Interview with a Vampire uh, for the uh, for the show. And I can I can see why some people will be upset about it because they dared to take a fictional character and make them black. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like uh, Jacob Anderson, who was Grey Worm on Game of Thrones. He's, he plays Louis uh, in the series. He's fucking amazing. Um, they people will be like, oh, they they made him gay. Have you ever read the books? He's fucking gay in the books. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like they Plus, I hear he hangs on in this one. It, well, of course, he's great. Uh, <laughs> but that's the that's the thing too is I'll, I'll like watch this stuff and I'll be like, people will try to call it like woke bullshit, but it's like if you read the books from like forty years ago, you'd see like he's a gay vampire. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. The way he talks about like owning um, him and like yeah, I mean, come on, really? People with that like it's revisionist history too because people were saying that back then when they when the movie came out, but they just didn't say it loud. If you, you know what I mean? If, like, you, if you watch that movie, there's literally a moment. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out in the '90s. There's literally a moment where Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise abduct a girl to turn them into their daughter, and mm-hmm. it's like. They're not supposed to be in a gay relationship. <laughs> like, Dude, the whole time he tells them you're so beautiful and everything like that. We literally still have people to this day, today. We mm-hmm. literally still have people that are actively arguing that 
the two characters in Str- the the character in Stranger Things is not gay and does not have yeah. a crush on his friend Mike. Yeah, like it could not have been more fucking obvious. Right. Like and anybody and with two eyes and two ears knew it, but yeah. people are still saying, "Oh, that, that's not what they're fucking doing." Oh, even after what, season four, people are still oh, yeah. doing that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Because great, because really. they they needed to be spelled out for you. As in, like, the character needs to physically say, I want some penis, in order for the, for pe- people to actually be like, okay, he's gay. <laughs> they just don't get a subtext, you know? You know what's funny? Actually, have you ever seen An Evening with Kevin Smith? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so do you remember the segment where he sort of yes. addresses this? Which <laughs> mm-hmm. is, he's talking about Chase and Amy, and he talks, Sal, I don't know if you've seen this one yet. Um, yeah. But he's, he's, somebody asks him a question about Chase and Amy, and he says, you know, I, I did one of these things, and some guy got very angry at me because he said, I fucking love the movie, and I'm sitting here, and I really find myself identifying with the character of Banky, and then you made him fucking gay. Like, what does that say about me? And that's sort of, I think, the thing that Troy's Troy's getting to is people, if they relate to a character, and that character turns out to be gay, it challenges their heterosexuality for some reason. That's their problem. You didn't see the best line from that. What's well, that? You didn't you didn't say the best line for that, which was Kevin Smith's response to him. It, was, oh, it means you're wrong. fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. But I I have enjoyed it. Um, By I'm the way, if you done. haven't seen an evening with Kevin Smith, go see an evening with Kevin Smith. It's fucking hilarious. Say what you say what you will about his movies. I I, I for one am a big fan of it. But yeah. that dude is a storyteller. Yeah, and it is essentially stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. just a different. Di- but different it's, style. it's almost stand-up comedy and improv, though, because he's just reacting yeah. to questions from other people, mm-hmm. right? And it's engaging, it, and you're you're drawn, mm-hmm. and it's fucking hilarious. I didn't think I would like it when I originally watched it, but it's one of my the the fucking the whole segment about Prince I could listen to. Yeah, oh my god, yes, god. There's there are there are so many great. Uh, you, you call them segments, but it's exactly what they are. Yeah. It's, but it's like, yeah, there's so many great things. Yeah, the whole print story is fucking fantastic. The whole um, the giant mechanical the, spider. Yes, that <laughs> I, I forgot the guy's name, but yeah, the the guy who made Wild Wild West uh, and his whole thing is fucking amazing too. And yeah. yeah, like I said, I mean it's great. The his story of how he met his wife too is yeah. it's and yeah, you like I said. Whether you like the guy or not, just listening to him, you just like you feel like you're sitting there in that fucking audience with them, right. or like you're just sitting next to him on a couch. And it's like yep. it's what makes him a good podcaster too. Yeah, you know. But anyways, Clark's um, three is out too, so I is guess, it? I can see that too. Yeah, they did another one of those limited release things, like they did with uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, where it was only in select oh, cities and markets, yeah. and then they're going to. DVD and, and on demand. So I think it actually might come out on on demand tomorrow or next week or something like that. Nice. I was just watching Clerks two the other day. I Very still, underrated. Do I still fucking die every time he's doing the um, Buffalo Bill dance outside of the? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I still love the ABC dance. I like oh the my whole God. fucking. The whole fucking. There's a there's a there. see there's another great fucking story that he tells as well on that. Yeah. One. Where he talks about how they were upset that they weren't watching or like showing her feet, and he's like, "You're watching the important part." <laughs> um, yeah, I'll I'll have to check that out for sure. Interspecies um, erotica, fucko. 
Oh my god. <laughs> and and like I'm not I'm not a huge slapstick fan, but when fucking when he puts the whole pack of cards and just flings it out of the person's face and they can fall to the ground. I laughed my ass off. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and like slamming the door in Jay's, Jay's ass when he's pissing behind. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's, man. Again, and those, it, I could watch that and be like, these are dumb fucking stories, but they're, but it makes me laugh and I'm entertained by it, so, which is what I, what you need sometimes. That and when Wanda Sykes and her husband are ordering the food. Yeah. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> Honey, you can't taste racism. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, enough uh, Enough talking about fun things. We got we to gotta head on to uh, pretty somber, sad topics before we get into uh, our, our week that was wrestling. Our most uh, important things of the week. Yes. First Still off, um, yep. October 1st, we learned that Muhammad Hussein Inoki, also known as Antonio Inoki, had passed away. Uh, anyone who knows Inoki knows that uh, he was not only a, a career politician, but also the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, this one had to have hit Dave Meltzer hard in the feels. Uh, apparently, uh, he had amyloidosis. Or amyloidosis? Amyloidosis. Dude, you watched yeah. House. He thought everybody had amyloidosis. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, it was I'm literally getting... like the first thing in every episode. Right. That, yeah. sarcoidosis. Lupus. Uh, and lupus, yeah. Lupus. Um, but yeah, so uh, he was 79. Obviously, Anoki lived a, a very full life. Um, he's had uh, had some kids. He's had a couple of mar- marriages. Four, to be exact. Um, but uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was kind of shocking because I don't think that anyone had even talked about the fact that he was dealing with this. Um, but for sure, it was it was out of the blue. But also, you're like, you know, the guy has has been amazing. He, um, you know, he's been out of the wrestling game for a decade at this point. And uh, but yeah, so Antonio Noki was the was the first one that that we had and. Real sad about that. And then today, actually, uh, we got word that the winner of the sixth season of WWE's Tough Enough, Sarah Lee, passed away. Uh, Sarah Lee, that uh, we just recently talked about on the show, uh, is married to Weston Blake, and uh, who was uh, Wesley Blake in uh, um, NXT for a while. And while it hasn't been publicly said um, what the cause of death was on her, uh, she was 30 years old. She did post two days ago talking about being healthy for the for the first time in a long time to be able to go to the gym twice. So clearly there, she's been dealing with some uh, medical issues, but we don't know the extent of it. And obviously we don't need to go into any more details on it because she's got three kids, two of them with Wesley. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, sad all around. A 30-year-old woman, by all accounts, you know, doing, uh, making the best of her life. And, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, it's time to, uh, there's not a good way to say way off of that. So I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and do it. Jason. What's the most important thing of the week? I think the most important thing of the week for me, and I think you guys will probably agree too, is the beginning 
of the facade of AEW slipping away finally in the eyes of everyone. Yeah. Um, this week we started to hear more of the talking heads, more of the people who have been just relentlessly telling us that the things we see aren't real, the things that we've heard aren't real, all of this stuff. Now they're having it's it's being broadcast out in the open, and now they have to address it. Now they have to admit it. Now they have to put it out there, and it's breaking them. And we're watching a company that should be a success that had everything lined up that they absolutely needed to be a success, and they're starting to really flounder. Now they're starting to flounder both creatively, financially mainstream acceptance wise and now the locker room is crumbling apart too um, we found out this week that there were issues between Sammy Guevara and Andrade now if if a similar issue like this happened in WWE you know what they would do they would make sure these two fucking people weren't anywhere near each other right but AEW decided <clears throat> to put them in the same fucking hallway and guess what they got into a fucking fist fight now, AEW, because Sammy Guevara has free reign to do whatever the fuck he wants to do in this company, um, has decided it's Andrade's fault, and that's the narrative that they've, they've spun to the media. And I don't know, maybe it is. I wasn't there. It doesn't help that earlier today, there was a video released of Tony Khan dancing with Sammy and Tay at their wedding. Hmm. <laughs> so let's let's go down the rabbit hole of Sammy Guevara in AEW. White Rabbit. Uh, what's that? White Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> um, first he comes out, he makes, it's discovered that he made jokes about raping other women. Uh, he goes to counseling and, and takes time off TV. He comes back, he proposes to his girlfriend on, on national television. Shortly after that, dumps her and hooks up with one of the very high-profile women on the show. Uh has several incidents where, though probably not his fault, he was involved in some very um, dangerous things happening to other talent. Um, he got into a fist fight with Eddie Kingston. Oh, oh before I, that, uh, I, they asked him to go to Impact, and... I, I wasn't going on a timeline. I was going to get there, but... Okay, okay, out. yeah. Uh, I thought you were going in order. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Because nope. you started uh, with, um, with the whole Sasha thing, but anyway, go ahead. Um, so he got a fist fight with Eddie Kingston. Now, Kingston was suspended. Sammy paid no price for his part of this. Um, in fact, was awarded the AAA championship at some point along the line, the, the intergender, whatever it was, mixed tag team championships. Um, put together just an absolutely awful feud with um, Scorpio Sky over the TNT title. Uh, now fist fighting with Andrade and just to what Sal was talking about was sent to impact as part of their working arrangement and refused to put anyone in that company over. So I just don't know. Sammy would probably have to kill someone at this point. I don't know if it's that he's really tight with Tony. I don't know if he's really tight with, if it's that he's really tight with Jericho and Jericho swings that much influence there. I really don't know. Uh, and maybe it is what, what some of the reports are saying, which is Andrade was just trying to push everyone's buttons to try to get fired because he doesn't want to be there anymore. But this is sort of largely the byproduct of the whole we're not doing releases anymore. If you have talent that's not being utilized, that's not happy, 
why would you want them in your environment? Because all they're going to do is make the waters toxic for everyone else. They're going to tell you how unhappy they are. They're going to try to force your hand to get you to get rid of them. Um, and this isn't like even this is just the surface stuff. There's so much stuff going on with AEW. It, I've said it from the beginning. It was never as rosy as everyone in, in the mainstream was was leading you to believe. Now the stuff that I've been hearing for a while is coming to the surface. We saw it with, and I'm, we didn't even talk about the whole issue with the Bucks and Punk and Kenny and all that shit. Um, and let's not forget MJF and Hangman Page. And this is this company is falling apart, and it's falling apart. Because it does not have a strong leader. It has a money mark who is more concerned with the wrestlers thinking he's cool and liking to hang out with him than putting on the best business product he could. People will tell you that Vince was a fucking prick. But you have to be a fucking prick to some degree to run a successful company like that. Because you have to understand. You have to come to the uh, the, the belief and the knowledge that not everyone is going to like you, and you have to somehow learn to be okay with that. So that, to me, was the most important thing, and I've got a little bit uh, more on the Tony Khan stuff, but I've been rambling for a while, so I'm sure you guys want to weigh in, too. Uh, one thing uh, that we noticed this week about Sammy Guevara, and this might play into why he gets away with so much, um, it doesn't sound like he would ever, ever be hired by WWE. So I don't know if Tony sees that as a, a loyalty thing, where he's like, well, he's definitely not going anywhere. Um, but but you know what's funny is before everything, before really Punk blew the fucking doors open, um, we had Joey Janela go on social media and talk about his time with the company. We had... Um, Sunny Kiss comment. Sunny Kiss. Um, they, uh, Cedric's wife, and I forget her name. God Big Swole. Name. Big yep. Swole. Uh, FTR. Talking. Yeah, but they're still there. <laughs> Evelise. Evelise had a lot of issues when she was there. Uh, I think Diamante's been vocal about her usage um, right through. Kira. Yeah, Kira Hogan well. complained. There's been a lot. And not just complaining about TV Brian time, Cage. but complaining about yep. things in the back. Excalibur got into a fight with somebody like week one, didn't he? Yep. Was it Jimmy yep. Havoc? Uh, yep. Yeah. And that got swept under the rug, too. 100% got swept under the rug. This has been... You would expect nothing less from an indie company with, like you said, no leadership. But... Um, this has been going on a lot, and it's a lot of it hasn't been reported, and now it's just too much. Now I feel like it's getting reported everywhere because it's all falling out. Like, it's like an overflow. Um, just to sell one second real quick, because we have a, a new person on the side, uh, Funky Mike, uh, asks, do you think that part of AEW's meltdown from the talent perspective has anything to do with Triple H taking over WWE or just convenient timing? I think the opportunity to work in WWE and not for Vince McMahon is enti is really enticing to these guys. Um, I certainly think that, that there are a lot of the talents in AEW are people that Triple H cultivated a strong working relationship with during his time in NXT. And absolutely, if you had a boss that you liked, I mean, who, who amongst us hasn't had a boss we liked go somewhere else and then be like, maybe I should go with them. Right. Um, 
it's been that's always been a thing throughout time. So yeah, I think it has something to do with it. But I also think you have a culture in that company where people look at who gets pushed, and it's the people that buddy up with Tony and the elite guys. So if you're not in that sort of click, for lack of a better term, you're not going to ever break through to that next level. How long have we been hearing about Jungle Boy as the next fucking big thing? He's in a mid-card feud with a fucking guy dressed up like a dinosaur. But, but he's not, a pillar. Think, not only yeah. that... What was the last big match Darby Allen won? There's another pillar. Not even that, though. The guys that Tony signed, the mid-carders from WWE... For three fucking years, he's been bringing in these guys, and God knows what the fuck he promised them when he brought them in, but let me tell you, he forgot about it a month later. You know what I mean? Like, so, well, so, look, look no further than Sean Spears. So you can There's only, you can only pro- like, fake promise things. Yes. <laughs> you can only like you know run that carny bullshit so many times before your locker room starts to get pissed the fuck off. I, and here's the thing, and... and I, People can disagree with me on this, but I don't think anybody in the back has any respect for Tony Khan. You know who I think they did respect? Cody Rhodes, because of his lineage, his name in the business, and the fact that he was largely the driving force behind AEW. Yeah, but nobody knew him before AEW. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That right there is, is one of the biggest problems, is Chris Jericho's backstage there. And you know that he is a shitster. Listen, I, I I love to I love to fuck around, but Chris Jericho Chris Jericho is an absolute fucking carny. Yeah, he says what he says to get the reaction it gets. It's it's never that he believes it. It's that he knows it will piss people off, and he likes fucking with people. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. So the the thing with unless the, he's talking about tri- storming the Capitol, then he's legit. Yeah. Um, if you. Going back to like the Triple H thing, I think that has more to do with Tony Khan. I think it's got him spooked, and I think that's why he suddenly turned around and said, "I'm not going to release anybody, even though they're mad." Because now the, there's an actual chance of them going back to WWE. Before it was like, "We've got all these scraps from WWE. They're they're not going to go back if I got rid of them." Well, of so now he's not. like, "I gotta." Yeah, so now he's he's got this whole thing where he's handcuffed all these guys who are like, "I don't want to be here anymore, man." And waving around that he, that they've got five year contracts and shit like that, which is the most unprofessional thing you could do, to be like, I got all my guys locked down for five years and we're not doing any releases. But it's uh, it's the hypocrisy that really gets me. It's just like you literally have made jokes on the show about WWE holding on to talent, not releasing them, yeah. and now you're doing the exact same thing. And by the way, don't believe the internet stories that tell you Adam Cole was the one that went running to uh, Tony Khan because uh, I can tell you that about, Adam Cole, um, Bobby Fish? No, about Triple yeah. H calling him. Oh, uh, okay. I can tell you that Adam Cole, that's a big point of contention. He's pissed that he was put out there in that scenario because oh, that sure. was, was not him. Because actually, if you look at it, I mean, he's one of the very few that have never really fed batted. He's been the right. one that's no. been like, I had a great time there. They were great to me. I loved the people I worked with. They were. They made I him just, a star. I'm sorry, but right. I loved Adam okay. Cole in ROH, but he, he got his profile I, risen tenfold. I had an opportunity to come work with my best friends and my group, my girlfriend at the time, and like it was just an opportunity. Um, yeah, that, that story was bullshit planted by Tony Khan because he wanted Tony Khan wanted people to believe that 
this guy is a big fucking WWE guy and he's all in. He's staying here. He doesn't want anything to do yeah. with them. That was the point of the story. And Adam Cole's not happy that it got out there. Well, and it, and it goes back to the fact that he, he publicly is saying he sent an email out to, to WWE and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, you, you're the one doing the tampering. And one, which we, we've already talked about ad nauseum, there's no such thing as tampering contracts right. out in the world because there's no governing body around it. Right. <laughs> like, there's no wrestling governing body that's just like, oh, nope, you can't talk to that guy. You can't, it's, it's illegal. No, you can do that shit every fucking day. And sure, of course, Triple, Triple H, probably, did, did Triple H go and talk well, to a couple of his buddies over there and say, hey, when's your contract up? Sure, that's not contract tampering, though. Right. No, and, and what Triple H has done is through emissaries, he's had conversations, which is exactly yeah. what every wrestling company has done since the beginning of time, including AEW. Yeah. Admittedly, when Chris Jericho was talking to John Moxley before. Yep. But or John, or, or Matt talking to his brother about how to get out yeah. of his contract. But Chris Jericho, yes. Matt Hardy, not executives within the company, therefore they're within legal rights to sure. do that. Exactly. Now, if Nick or Matt Jackson did as executives of the company, then you could get into a legal gray area where they could be in trouble. Yeah, you know they did, of course, but the, but we're not we're going to pretend that didn't happen because it's AEW. Dude, do you, um, this is the same shit that brought down WCW. The the. The boys should never be in power because inherently the boys believe that nobody, Kevin Nash, great example. These guys are part of what makes them really good at what they do is the incredible ego they have, which is if this, if we need somebody who will draw ratings, it's fucking me. Let's go put the belt on me. It's time. And that's what happens. Had, despite the fact that FTR is is the best tag team in AEW, at least by their estimation, despite the fact that they hold championships around the world, have they ever been the focus in the tag team division in AEW? And up until the suspension, who was? The Bucks. Was they was and they were the focal point of that division when they weren't champs. Of course they are. They're the execs. That's, right. <laughs> is, That's my point. So here's the thing, right? I watched a video today. Uh, it was going through every single TNA champion that ever was, from when it was NWA to all the way to now when it's Impact. And Jeff Jarrett was champ like 15 times, right? Yeah. He, he he was part of the book. Of course he was. Kevin he Nash... Considered him, he considered himself the biggest name the company had. Kevin Nash was a six-time WCW champion. How now, is that possible? Hold on. Hold on. Contrast that. When we talk about keeping egos in check... When a guy in power like Cody Rhodes is so intent on proving that he's not going to be that guy that his he has one title match and says, if I don't win, I'm never challenging for that title again, loses the match and legit never challenges for that title again. He didn't want he didn't want. Now, yes, we've joked a lot times he put the TNT title on himself, but he was, in fact, one of their ratings draws if you looked at the hour-by-hour numbers. So they wanted to put him in a high-profile spot, and having that belt on him raised the profile of that newly created title. I agree so I get that. all that. Um, but that's th- that leadership at the top. If you, how, who are you going to be in the back? Are you going to be John Moxley in the back and go, I should have that fucking title? When the fucking guy who helped create the company and is probably the biggest name the company has is saying, I'm never going to put the title on myself. I'm going to put it on whoever it, it's most useful. And at the time, Jericho was the best choice to have that title, when it, the first run of it. Um, so that's how you lead. You lead by example, which is what Cody did. And then he left, and then it became a free-for-all. 
and whoever can get closer to Tony. Okay. Uh, by the but going back to the original Tony, by point, the way, hold on, who is so creatively bereft of ideas that he can't think of anything except uh, put it back on Moxley. Yeah, well, yep. That's all we can come up with. Three times now. As we've mentioned at nauseum, he doesn't right. know how to book. Um, it's Booker of the Year. Watch him out. A couple things, though, and, and I think the um, person in chat brought up a very good point that a lot of these guys would never even consider going back to WWE a, because Vince made it clear he didn't really care for them, and B, because they didn't want to work for Vince. So, yeah, a change at the top of WWE, something that hasn't happened in 40 years, yeah, that's going to create a lot of interest to go back, no matter who you are. Look at fucking Braun Strowman. He was trying to do his thing with uh, EC3 and... Listen, he's controlling his narrative. Leave him alone. Carrying Karrion Cross too? <laughs> Both of them were like, wait. No, no, fuck this. We're going back. <laughs> yeah. I just I just can't believe that a company that employs Dustin Rhodes, Christopher Daniels, Sting, and Tony Schiavone, four guys that were around when WCW went under, doesn't don't take one second to be like, this feels familiar. <laughs> and on Anderson. Um, oh, oh, by, yeah, by the way, you talked about tampering or tampering being involved in the wrestling business for since the beginning of time. Lest we forget the famous story from Scott Hall. He never directly talked to Vince McMahon in the early 90s, but he did talk to Pat Patterson a bunch. Yeah, and of course. And they, they would have conversations, but it was fine because it wasn't Vince actually yeah. talking. You can and talk then, with your buddies. Yeah. Exactly. You can talk with your coworkers. Like. So while we're on this topic, and part of what I talk about, the delusion of Tony Khan, he did an interview with Ariel Hawani. Um, it's about a little over an hour interview, but there are some sort of hot points that have made um, the rounds. So at one point, he says, and I quote, At one point, I think AEW Dark was the premier tryout system in America. There are plenty of people who would tell you that WWE was recruiting off AEW Dark during the pandemic. And if anybody says that's not true, okay, whatever, you're full of shit. Okay, so let's just digest that one first, because there's more of these these little pearls of wisdom. Um, during the pandemic, there were two companies running wrestling shows. Yep. WWE and AEW. Yep. So if you're looking to recruit talent, and there are no indie shows running, literally, and you're not going to recruit the talent zero. from within your company... Oh, and there's travel restrictions, so they can't look outside of the stage right. for talent... So where are you going to look? I mean, this is this is not high level intelligence stuff. This this requires a basic understanding of the world around you. Yeah, this is not Spiky. <laughs> he then talks about how he has too much talent for his television time. Uh, the biggest thing is I would love to have more time because it would pay off and everything would get stronger if there was more hours of TV. Well, if my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. I mean, it is that this is the world we fucking live in. You have X amount of TV time. If you're Booker of the Year, you need to figure out how to maximize the talent that you have. And you want to know the fucking blueprint for that? Go back to the original Black and Gold NXT, where they had a ton of fucking talent. They all got over. 
They weren't on TV every week, but they were rotated through the television cycle every month and a half or so. Every six weeks, everybody would have a storyline. They didn't have to be on TV every week. They kept the storylines going, and it paid off at a takeover event, and everyone thought it was the best fucking thing ever. Oh, and by the way, they had one hour compared to three. You can fucking do this if you know how to do it. The problem is if you've never done it and you fucking write shit on your notepad that Uncle Dave tells you to write, then you're going to run out of ideas very quickly because Dave doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about either. Well, it doesn't matter Uh, as long as he wins Booker of the Year 2022. Then they asked him about uh, the new regime of WWE and if they were the right people to move forward. Uh, Ariel said, do you think it's the right trio to lead WWE into this new era? And he said, I don't know. Time will tell. It's a really interesting time in the wrestling business, though. Things happen fast. How the, how the fuck do you not answer the question like that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I can understand you saying, listen, I'm not there. I don't know if they're the right people or not. That's not really my spot. But to say, I don't know, it's interesting, like, that's fucking pretty ridiculous. It's because he's scared. Of course he is. He should be. Uh, he was asked about AEW going head-to-head with WWE on a regular basis at some point, And he said, and I quote, that's not really my choice. Like, I don't decide when the show is on, end quote. Fucking really? Fucking really? You want us all to sit there and go, oh, this guy just, uh, TNT just tells him when it's on. No, you get a fucking say. You have meetings. Like, you call yourself one of the biggest ratings draws on the network. They should be bending over and kissing your ass if that were true, right? There's a reason why they debuted on Wednesday. Wednesdays, and then they got Fridays, and then they got Saturdays for Battle of the Belts, and they've got all sorts of time slots, and they got roads to the top. So please don't tell me that you didn't have any say on when your show added. Right. Um, and he also says that going to, originally when they started, Tuesday or Wednesday nights were the only choices. Tuesday or Wednesday were the only days I was going to do Dynamite, which is weird. The only days I was going to do Dynamite, he just told us he didn't have a say. Don't right. those two statements <laughs> seem to be in direct conflict with each other very quickly after each other? Look, man, um, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Right? Because <laughs> I couldn't do any other day. Friday I could also do, but I didn't think it made sense unless it's where Rampage is time-wise. Why? Oh. Wonder why? Wonder why? What, what could that reason be? They what would you be Friday trying to war. avoid at an earlier time <laughs> slot? Um... But I also didn't think that should be the first show we did. I thought that made a lot more sense for the second show. They didn't have this agreed to at the time Dynamite debuted. Right. This guy just makes shit up as he goes. Um, they talk, tried to get him to talk about the backstage stuff. Uh, I'm not Bill Watts. I'm not enforcing things that way. I think the world has changed a bit. He I have a lot of really, that way. He's just not enforcing things. <laughs> I have a yeah. lot of really good relationships with the people here. I don't necessarily think that was the case that the inmates were running the asylum, but I do think right now we're in a really good place as a roster, as a company. This, of course, was done before Andrade and Sammy got into a fist fight in this locker room nice. a week ago. But later. after CM Punk got into a fight. But he, he suspended then, them, so it's all set now. Everything's fixed. He then does a uh, compare and contrast with WWE's Nick Khan. Uh, It's pretty important to me to make sure that we're surrounded by really great people. And most importantly, I want to make sure that everybody comes to work and feels like it's a good place to work. And I want to make sure that everybody gets opportunities. But really, at the end of the day, everybody everybody who's come to AEW knows coming in that there's a sense of security here that they haven't had necessarily at other wrestling promotions. 
a lot of people I've brought in were part of layoffs and cost-cutting, and that's not desperate cost-cutting times or tight cost-cutting. It's record profits cost-cutting, and I was making record profits. And if I was making record profits, I probably wouldn't be laying off dozens of people. So that's some of what I'm talking about when I talk about compassion and being a good boss. And frankly, when I talk about I'm not necessarily the same guy as the same person, as some person who shares my surname. So I'm taking a shot at Tony, at Nick Carr. Um, how good of a boss are you if you've promised people stuff, not delivered on what you've promised them, and then refuse to give them the opportunity to go be successful somewhere else when they ask? Sounds like a typical wrestling promoter. Right. <laughs> Sounds a lot like something Nick Khan would do, doesn't it? Yeah. Or Bill Wallace. Or Vern Gagne. For all the wrestling intelligentsia out there, wasn't Nick Khan the driving force behind releasing all these people who are now being brought back? Yeah. It's, it's weird that Nick Khan would have the stroke and the ability to fire Karrion Cross and then just go, you know what we should do? Bring him back! We should bring back Karrion Cross. Maybe it was Vince. Yeah. No. Really? This is, this is the same. This is the same boss that had MJF walk out on him. Had CM Punk threaten to quit numerous times, get into a backstage argument and a fight. Has had multiple different fights in his backstage. Has had his own talent take to Twitter to talk about how they're fucking pissed at him. Have had his own talent visibly get pissed when he talked about that he was going to give the acclaimed another title shot for no fucking reason. Like that's that's the guy that you that you have. Yep. You have you have the same the same guy that that people have said, oh yeah, he just stopped talking to me. <laughs> yeah, um, Mike in the chat has the same opinion of Meltzer that we all on the show share. There so. you go. Um, r- real quick, I was just taking a look at um the original Double or Nothing card in 2019, right? <laughs> and so many of those people that were promised things and also hyped as like the next big thing and a bunch of them aren't with the company anymore right um fuck the first match of the night was SoCal Uncensored and Stronghearts yep anybody remember Stronghearts points if you don't (laughs) Chima and T-Hawk yep um and SoCal Uncensored are you kidding me The, the I mean, I understand Christopher Daniels was getting ready to retire. That's fine. But Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, have they been anything special in this company? I mean, they were the first tag team champions. Yeah, and then? (laughs) Sky Sky had the TNT title and had that horrible feud with Sammy, as you mentioned. But he hasn't been on TV since then either. You know, in the tag team division, who was supposed to be a big deal? Uh, Best Friends. Best Friends. I was just going to say Best Friends. Have they ever been a thing, really, other than just comic oh. relief? No. Oh. Do you remember when FTR first won the tag titles and they started this program with best friends and they never yeah. actually paid it off? Yeah. The uh, the Lucha Bros, one of the best tag teams all over. X-Lax, one of the best teams in the world. Never got <coughs> a title. Never got a title run. Nope. Never really got a title, never got title runs. Nope. Hey, you know who best friends fought at the first double or nothing? Uh, Ange- Angelico and Jack Evans. Well, those guys have poisoned every fucking place they've been for themselves. Yeah, so. sure, but they have a track record. 
But so but does, so, but so does is, Tony Khan at this point. But that but that's the problem is he he talked about oh I picked up a bunch of guys that were cost cutting measures and it's like there's probably a reason why some of them are cost cutting measures one oh, right and if you are if you are actually a good promoter you talk to your your people that you have there and you ask about a guy before you just go go sign that guy because because he, he's an ex WWE guy like there's a reason why they. Are, are going to have a big problem once they try to go up to Canada because half the roster is unvaccinated because that was a lot of the releases during the pandemic was when people were refusing to get vaccinated they were like sorry man like we go around the world you we just can't take you you know oh, remember so, when Meltzer was telling us that Nia Jax was going to be resigned now yeah it's yeah, funny huh? <laughs> well, that didn't happen that's the thing nope. though like I, I love Andrade right I think he's a very talented wrestler but there was a ceiling for him in WWE. Yeah. And I don't know what the fuck Tony Khan put I think the ceiling for him in WWE was higher than it is in AEW. 100%. Yeah, for sure. But I don't, but I don't know what Tony higher Khan... Higher than four matches a year. Right. I don't know what Tony Khan put in his head when he hired him, but I know that the Dirt Sheet writers were telling me he was the next big thing. He was going to be a world champion in this company. Keith Lee? Sound familiar? Keith Lee. Yeah. Malachi Black. Sound? Uh... Rusev, I'm sorry, Miro. <laughs> Sounds like they sold a lot of guys the same bill of goods, huh? Yep. Christian. Yeah. yeah do, you sure. think, do you think? Do you think teaming up with a dinosaur to take on Junior Tarzan was exactly what Christian had in mind for his final run? It, it's just got a sting for him to be like Edge is right now getting a fucking huge feud on WWE right now. I could be his tag team partner against Finn and and Damian Priest. And instead, I'm here. <laughs> Injured. In cause, turn. Because, yeah, you know, of course. Yep. Because, you know, we can't work that safe WWE style. Oh, I was going to say, despite all the despite all the backstage problems and the horrible booking, we also have a company that a lot of guys have gotten hurt for a very long time at. Like, it's not just like, oh, he's out for like a week with a sprained ankle. It's like, no, torn rotator cuff here fucking torn meniscus here like what the fuck concussions left and right broken noses is the new game, broken new game no- now. Oh, that's the new game that's right Christian's arms in a sling like what the fuck there have been oh. so many guys that have been injured hor- horrifically like and, and as we know we don't know about it unless they tell us because AEW will just Guy or I do disappear. Yeah, or you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, remember the you whole thing it. during COVID when everybody was all the wrestlers were like, "Oh, I have COVID." Two minutes later, tweet deleted. Uh, I mean, I have yep. a cold. Then. Remember when Lance Archer was like a big fucking badass? Yep. And when Jake Roberts was uh, his manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This company has gone through more changes than remember WCW when Tony Khan told us, Remember when Tony Khan told us the Dark Order was the best thing on TV? Yeah. And then proceeded to like let all of them leave without resigning them. Here's here all the proof you need. So you can you can go and like look up WWE uh, injuries and and they'll tell you exactly what they have and their expected thing back right. So you got Alex Ren- Reynolds injury unknown. <laughs> uh, That's because they really don't know. They're like unknown. I have no idea. It just hasn't shown up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ruby Soho unknown. <clears throat> Mercedes Martinez, unknown. Jesus Christ. Red Velvet, unknown. Yeah. Worse than a fucking... The Bunny, um, unknown. 
NHL hockey team where they're like undisclosed injury. <laughs> at least yeah, they'll give you a timetable. Yeah, exactly. This here is just like the people just disappear, and you go, "Are they hurt? Are and they pissed? What, Are they suspended?" And then what? Yeah, what'll happen is the stands will will pick up on something, and they'll just be like, "Oh, that's why that guy hasn't been used." Like Miro, they're like, all of a sudden it was announced he was going to be filming a movie. And it's like, oh, that's why he hasn't been used. It's like, it was announced he's going to be filming, not that he's currently filming. <laughs> like, no, there is no excuse for why he wasn't used. He was literally sitting backstage the whole fucking time, just not being used. Which is, ironically, the same issue that he had in WWE. All right. Um, well, that was my most important thing. What do you guys got? <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make this one easy on you. My most important thing of the week was season premieres. Which is coming next week. Tomorrow. But, yes, tomorrow night is, is a season premiere of SmackDown, and then Monday night will be the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. And I know it's it's odd for them to just kind of pick this arbitrary day, but if you actually do look at, like, the new streaming apps, stuff like that, they are listed in seasons, not by years, for a lot of the things. So it, it makes well, sense. Is, that it's, this is new season season. Right. Yeah, exactly. This, the, this is Yeah, this is what they lined up was this is the fall... TV, so of course, yeah, they're going to have it. So, it was announced that we were going to have brand new commentary teams as well to sort of shake things up a little bit. So we learned on SmackDown, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett will be the main commentators, uh, and Samantha Irving will serve as the ring announcer, Kayla Braxton and Megan Morant will serve as backstage interviewers. Once... um, Pat McAfee returns from his college football stuff. He will form a three-man booth with Cole and Barrett. I think that that's probably my, that, yeah. I think that's probably my favorite commentary team so far that I hear. Wade Barrett and Michael Cole, I think, are going to have a lot of fun together. And yeah. once Pat McAfee gets back in there, like, forget it. <laughs> oh, I, I love the um, SmackDown commentary team for the record, but um, yeah. keep going. Monday Night Raw, <laughs> we learned that Jimmy Smith is not going to be on commentary anymore. Is apparently this past Monday was his final day. His contract is complete. It was he wasn't fired or any of that. His contract was complete. They had him. He actually just for opted season. not to resign. They did want yeah. him back. Yeah, they wanted him back. He's not coming back, uh, which is a shame because I think I felt he did really good. He did better than Aiden on Verk. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say he was the hail mary that saved them from the Adnan Verk disaster. Oh, hundred yeah. uh, percent. And he did. I thought he did a great job. He became the soundtrack of WWE Raw for a year or two, whatever yeah. the time frame was. Yeah. But. Yeah. So the new team will be uh, British backstage interviewer Kevin Patrick, Irish, uh, doing kind of play by play. Irish, Irish sorry, <laughs> uh, and Corey Graves. They are going to only do a two man booth on Raw. Which I was like, huh. Can you imagine a scenario <laughs> under which Vince McMahon trusts Kevin Patrick to be the lead announcer on Monday Night Raw? No, but but that's twofold because they had all these Michael Cole clones set up four or five years ago in NXT that were yep. supposed to be there during these times. And who, who were you referring to? Uh, there was Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips. I understand. I understand. Face fucker. I get it. They, they couldn't do anything about Tom that. Phillips, who got large roles within the company on multiple times, yeah, including but, being the lead announcer on SmackDown <clears throat> before the company decided to let him go. Right. But that's what I'm saying. This would have been a situation where, of course, you are, you have Tom Phillips. You've been training him for six years. He steps right in there. Can't use but, Tom Phillips. 
But he had already stepped in somewhere, and they either didn't like what he did or he wanted a bigger role, and he left the company. Rich Brennan, that was another guy in NXT. He was supposed to be a little Michael Cole clone. I don't know what happened there. Hold on, hold on. on. First off, I don't like you throwing around Michael Cole clone like it's some pejorative. First off, the guys you're talking (laughs) about. No, Michael Cole was great. Hold on, let me finish. The guys you're talking about are talented individuals. They may not have been what Vince McMahon was looking for. That doesn't mean they're not talented. So I don't I don't like disparaging guys like Rich Brennan, who I think is actually very good at what he does. Okay. Um, I, I, I didn't mean to be disparaging in my remarks. I just meant that but, they were supposed to be in the pipeline, but, like the next guys can, up. But, but this, is, this is what NXT is for. How many guys in NXT who are wrestlers were supposed to be the next big thing to come through, and it just never happened? It never clicked. It never worked for them. That doesn't mean that, that they're, they're, oh, well, you were a fucking John Cena clone and you failed. No. No, no, no. You were a talented guy. It, you weren't what they were looking for and it didn't work out. I don't think it's fair to throw every announcer that ever did NXT as a Michael Cole fucking clone. Mauro Ranallo was great. It, he had issues that made it a scenario that was unworkable for him. Also, Kevin Patrick is not a newcomer for play-by-play. He does play-by-play for main event. Just nobody watches it. Right. <laughs> but he does do play-by-play. Right. So it's not like he he is not he is an unte- untested, unproven prospect. Who was um, the guy that was doing two hundred five live before it ended? Aiden Aiden English. No, 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 no. no he was, was the play by play guy. Was the play by play. it wasn't Vic Joseph, was it? It was. No, well, it was up to a point. And I, did they get someone else? I, I thought there was somebody else. Uh, let me look. But that's another thing, too. I was kind of surprised Vic Joseph wasn't being called to be the Raw guy. And maybe they, they like where uh, well, he is. Well, they're already calling up Barrett. I think they want some stability, first off, within sure. that thing. Plus, he just got married to Mackenzie. Probably want to keep those two together. So, uh, so they had uh, um, John Quastro. Um, let's see. Tom Phillips, Nigel McGinnis, Aiden English. Byron Saxton, Vic Joseph, David Otunga, John Quastro, Suda, Sudu San. Look at the same uh, Vic Joseph. Maybe Percy Watson. Vic Joseph has done it like almost the entire time it was around. Yeah, so that's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but you've buried the lead here in this whole. Well, I, I just haven't been able to get through it yet. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, so Mike Rome will be the ring announcer. Uh, for Raw. Kathy Kelly will be joined by... Oh, you buried the lead right there. We needed a drum roll. We needed to get Ginger, let Ginger know to listen very closely. Oh, I'm sorry. He's he's passed out. Making her return <laughs> Yes. to not only the WWE, yes. but, but to the rundown, fantasies. into the rundown vernacular, the yeah. original snack time. Ladies and gentlemen, Kathy Kelly is back. Kathy Kelly returning after a two-year absence. She will be backstage at Raw, and I'm sure Ginger will be backstage at Raw as well, and probably get arrested. <laughs> <on that soon. laughs> hey, Raw is coming to Boston soon. She is. She is joined by former commentator Byron Saxton for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> uh, maybe the new powers that be never really enjoyed Byron in the booth. Just throwing it Byron, out there. I mean, there Byron, was a time, there was a time where it felt like there was an edict that every show had to have a black guy on commentary. Yeah, do you remember that? 
Yep. Where they just Percy started Watson, throwing Byron yeah. Saxton, Booker T. Yeah. Right. Where all. they just started throwing people in there that didn't really make any sense, like a Percy Watson, just to have him there. Right. Uh, and it was Percy Watson was obviously awful at that. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you, was, Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton is the Ryan Fitzpatrick of commentators. He's not great, but he'll do the job. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised he's moving off of the booth. I, I maybe you know it doesn't have to be a three man booth like some other people used to think. Well, yeah. I think I, I still think it's going to end up being a three man booth. I think they just haven't decided on who the third person's going to be. Possibly, Listen, and, and okay. I can see they could throw Byron over there. They can throw guests over there and stuff like that. I, I was very excited with the original first rumors had Nigel stepping into that because right. I think Nigel, which I, I am an unabashed fan of Nigel McGuinness on commentary. I think he's fantastic, and I think he brings a lot. Maybe they just didn't want two British guys on each show because then it was well, sort of and like I, the first Watson. <laughs> and I think that he will show up on Raw and SmackDown before NXT Europe starts up. It sounds like he might bounce around shows. So yeah, maybe. Um, and then finally, NXT gets uh, gets a shakeup as well, since obviously losing Wade Barrett uh, as Dick Joseph uh, remains, Mackenzie Mitchell remains, Alicia Taylor Mackenzie is still. Joseph. Uh, I don't That's true. They could they could change sure. the name if they wanted to to go kayfabe with it. Um, Alicia Taylor turns as a ring announcer, and joining Vic Joseph will be Booker T. Shucky Ducky. Do not like that. <laughs> you don't like Vic and Vic and Booker T. No. Are we going to get a lot of the old Booker T commentary? Like, I'm not, I was never a fan of Booker T on commentary first off. Second off, I think he is. he tends to try to make himself bigger than the show, and it's one thing to do that when you have world-class, highly recognized talents like a John Cena or a Seth Rollins. It's another thing when you've got new guys trying to make a mark and trying to get noticed. I think it's detrimental to them. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it works out, but I'm, I'm very skeptical. No, I think you're bringing up very my, So my, my biggest concern with Booker is he has to tell stories. And Booker is a more methodical storyteller. He, he takes his time a lot more. Whereas other guys have been able to really quickly get off those like anecdotes about, about the new wrestlers coming in and like building them up through like really quick you know, talking about them because you're only going to get three minute matches for a lot of these like young guys coming up, and Booker T will take a two two fucking minutes to just like, tell one story sometimes. Like Wade, the thing that made Wade great towards the end. Now, first off, I owe Wade an apology because I did not think he was going to do very well in this role. I was not a fan of him when he first started doing commentary. He really sort of upped his game and became really a great voice for NXT. But part of that is that he is one of those guys that is willing to be the, the, the punchline of the joke. He's willing to, he's willing to yeah. sit there and simp for Pretty Deadly yep. in order to get them over. Booker T ain't doing that shit. Right. right. I was just going to say, what makes him a good commentator is that he, he can be self-deprecating. And right. it's completely believable, and he does a great job of putting the, the talent in the ring over at the right time. Um, he has good banter, so it's going to be fun to see him with Michael Cole. But yeah, Booker T is probably it's gonna get a little awkward with Vic Joseph. I can't imagine that's gonna go well. Uh, we saw in the you know, and who knows, but we saw a lot of times on SmackDown, Booker T did not exactly get along with Michael Cole. Over <laughs> some over under, <laughs> over under the number of times Booker T puts his head in his hands after Vic Joseph goes boom, <laughs> or innovative offense. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, for the most part, I do like a lot of these. I movies. wish Vic Joseph. I love how Vic Joseph has Tourette's when we talk about him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you listened to him commentate? Kind of Boom! Innovative <laughs> offense. I'm sticking but, my uh, Mackenzie. <laughs> I mean, good on you, brother. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's other choices. And maybe Booker T is a stopgap before they bring somebody else up. There's always that possibility, you know. Maybe. Um, they, thankfully, the one name you don't see on that at all is Jerry Lawler. So, Yet. You, there's that. Yet. Anytime somebody well, gets sick or, or has to deal well, with Well, that was something. a Vince thing. Oh, really? Yeah, that was definitely. Okay. Yeah, that was not a, yeah. a, a Triple H is, uh, as far as we can tell, Triple H is not a fan of Jerry Lawler. So... We are we are cool with that with never seeing him again. There. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I, Kevin Patrick. So are all, all the teenage girls in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, right. Um, I, w- I, I, Memphis, wish, Tennessee, I wish Kevin Patrick all the Probably success Nashville, yeah. in the world. Um, it's a difficult job to be the raw commentator, and Corey Graves. Uh, again, will, 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 it was. I thought he's Jimmy. He's, I thought Jimmy Smith did a great job. I thought Jimmy Smith did an even better job once Vince yeah. was gone. Sure. So did WWE. Tell me you don't <laughs> see a marked improvement in Michael Cole's commentary since Triple H. Yes. Over. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because because he's not in their ear. Because he's like, right. I hired you fuckers. Yeah, you know what <laughs> to do. You do your job that I hired you for. Right. I'm exactly. sure. I'm sure. I don't need to micromanage times. every fucking thing yeah. you say. Like, right. Yeah. I'm sure there might be times during commercial where he where he might give him some pointers because that's his job as a producer. Sure. And it might be a couple of times, but yeah, he's not like Vince, who's literally doing commentary over them and they're just spouting off his words. It's because Vince used it. to do commentary for decades yeah. before, so he he has a certain way of what he wants to get over, and yeah. and, <laughs> it, and you need not to follow that. <laughs> Say it's, it. it's, say it. it's the same. Say it. Yeah. Say I bet that hurt her penis. Go ahead, say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like you you hire these guys, and then you just don't let them use their natural talent they have. That's been the problem. And yeah, commentary has been miles better with with the fact that they could just sit there. I I'm sure for like Cole, it's got to be weird for him to be like, wait, okay, I just I just talked for like 20 minutes, and there was nothing. In my ears, what's is this? Is it broken? <laughs> Did I lose you? <laughs> watch, watch this, Shane. <laughs> Michael, call our truth the N word, or you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sal. My what's, most what's important thing, thing and I'm, I'm kind of surprised nobody brought it up yet, because after years of trying to get this guy involved with the WWE, uh, Daniel Cormier has been announced as the special referee. For the fight pit, which I'm very much looking forward to, between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. Now, subsequently, Seth Rollins has also sethed his way into a title shot at the United States Championship the next night on Raw. Or two nights later on Raw, I should say. Um, But I think it's a big deal that they're bringing in uh, DC. And I think they would have rather had him participate like ten years ago. But, you know, he's still a name. Right? Um, are, do you think because of this, Fight Pit closes the show? No. No. Okay. What do you think closes the show? I mean, I, I'm not saying it, it couldn't. Uh, I think when I look at a scenario where Drew McIntyre is starting to compete with and or pass 
the bloodline for merchandise sales, I think you could very well see him and Cross be the main event. I was thinking that. I guess it depends on what they're going to do. Bianca and Bailey being match. the first ever ladder match wouldn't shock me if they decided because it's yep. Hunter putting the show together. Wouldn't shock me if that goes on last. See, if you're going to go with a women's match, I would have figured it would have been Ronda. No, I don't think so. I don't think Ronda and Liv has the same kind of anticipation that the, the first ever women's ladder, ladder match for the title has. Sure, but Ronda and Liv seems to be plus, gearing towards plus, being very violent. Plus, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just throwing this out there. Um, if they do an angle where earlier in the night Alexa and uh, EO, not EO, uh, Oscar are taken out, or if they started doing that on Monday already, which it sort of looked like they did, if Bailey's uh, the, the rest of Damage Control gets involved, perhaps we see the return of Sasha, Sasha and Naomi there. So that would be an end of the show moment too. So I think, and then you also got to look at the White Rabbit thing, and and think that that might also end the show if they actually are bringing that person out. So or people, which would probably be Drew and Cross. That would be the match most likely linked to that. Yep. So I, on the predictions, did not. uh, I I tried to put it in a little bit better order since Jason loves to insult my order on things. But I'm well, sure you I'm go not. the main event first. <laughs> That's why I did it differently this time. If we're time, doing analysis of the matches as we're fucking running through the predictions, it's sort of like, okay, well, we're ending with the least important thing. So, yeah. so I, I have it. I have it. Yeah, I can see it flipped on what I have in the rundown. But I put the fight pit last just because I think that that could also possibly could. be. So, um, but see, we I, talked. This is the shit we talked about for so long. Like. We would go through and we would do AEW predictions, and we would pretty much all have the same thing because it was super fucking predictable. And right. we would do WWE predictions, and we would pretty much all have the same fucking thing, save for a match or two, because it was so predictable. And then I would I would occasionally book for what would be the most interesting, and I would be way fucking wrong because boring right. is better, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we would do an NXT show, and we would all have different fucking answers because... It was not predictable. You never knew, and I think we're starting to get some of that in WWE's pay per views, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, I also I also put the fight put last because I think about the fact that it's probably going to be a bitch to set up. Right, you might not want to try to take it why? down before. They'll they'll probably have it set up as a second ring somewhere. You think so? I think so. Okay, I wasn't sure. I don't think they're going to drop it over the ring because they have to take the ropes off, and it's a whole thing. I, I think it's easier for them if it's just already set up somewhere. When, um, you know, this is the lion's den, but years, years ago when they did Owen versus uh, Shamrock, they did it off-site. It was pre-taped, but... Wasn't that one... I thought that one was, like, off off to the side of where the commentary table was, but still in the arena. I don't think it was in the arena, because it was... um, I think it was. One of them was. Okay, maybe, maybe one of them was Steve Blackman. Um, but this was this. I'm thinking SummerSlam '98 because I had just watched it recently, and and they had mentioned that they were. Wasn't that the one that was in the Stuhart Dungeon though? No, that was the um, Vengeance beforehand, or whatever fucking crappy in your house beforehand, um, where they actually fought in Stuhart's basement, and it was really creepy. Uh, no, but at SummerSlam '98 they fought in a fight pit or the Lions Den, as it were, and I think it was offsite because they were talking about how the fans. Got to see like the whole show, but they weren't at Madison Square Garden. But anyway, um, I, I'm looking forward to Fight Pit. I, I hope they kick the shit out of each other. 
But again, if Seth's getting a U.S. title shot the next night, you know, just how far are we going to go with this? Like, he can't leave. He can't get him stretched out, and then it's believable that Seth get Seth gets a title shot the next night. Why not? Shouldn't he sell the injuries he got in Fight Pit? He could do that and, and and lose the U.S. title. I don't see. I don't know if he's losing. We'll see. We haven't even gone, we haven't even gone to predictions yet. Well, we're getting there right now. Well, I mean, <sighs> we we talked about our important things. Does anybody have anything else to talk about from the past two weeks of wrestling? <laughs> I mean, Sami Zayn continues to be the best thing on on either show. Okay, that segment two SmackDowns ago, and I know we didn't have a chance to talk about it on the show, where the Bloodline introduced um, Solo Sokoa. And also almost turned on. That was some of the best TV I've seen yeah. in decades. That was segment of the year, hundred percent. It took it was, you it on such a fucking ride, and the whole fucking crowd went. With I, you. I mean, hold on, hold on. It was no Athena, Tony Storm, and Willow Nightingale versus Jamie Hader, Penelope Ford, and Serena Deeb. Ah, yeah, nice. that, that's true. <laughs> uh, but what a great job they did with that segment. Oh my god, and Sammy continues to be just. Anybody he interacts with is it's it's fucking gold. I just um, I love the fact that he has now turned into the guy that tries to make the other guys crack, and yeah. he usually succeeds at it. Um, Especially with Jay, who's supposed to fucking hate him. He tries yep. so hard, and he just can't. And you it's can like see the he's... best seasons of Saturday Night Live are when you had like david spade and adam sandler and all these guys that were there just fucking with each other on yep. camera like just trying to make each other laugh because it was a fucking contest and they yeah. would have the time and it would draw the segment to like a halt and everybody would just watch them like crack up like but you as a fan sit there and laugh oh he loved every <laughs> second of it because yeah. there's so many times that you'll like watch a movie and you'll be like how is that person not laughing and you're like I know for a fact when they were filming that there was so many blown takes because there had to right. have been you know yeah. and this this is it too where you obviously you're, you're dealing with live TV but just every little thing that Sammy does dancing around them and fucking like jumping in and stuff like that you just look at yeah, <laughs> you know, and they'll like they'll take a glance over at him and they'll quickly turn away or they'll like start biting the lip and looking down a little bit yeah. and, he even got fucking Roman, which is that was amazing. Which was pretty good because Roman is usually pretty good about not reacting to anything, and even he was just like putting his head down, like, "Oh God damn it!" <laughs> so it's fucking tremendous. And if this doesn't, I mean, obviously we're we're leading towards a Sammy face turn, and he's even started to do things that are rather face like, like the the him not wanting to beat up a guy after the match, you know. Mm-hmm. And, Try to tell Solo, like, no, 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 we're, we're, I think we're good, you know? Like, that kind of thing. Well, I think they're also trying to build sympathy because Sammy keeps taking the bullet for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's the one taking this, the fucking Claymore from Drew, and then he's taking the... He's taking all the moves to... Even this past week, he saved Solo. I forget what the move yeah. was, but it might have been a um, Tope Suicida. Yeah. Um, pushed Solo out of the way and saved him. So I think they're building to this where... You know they're they're going to do a thing where the bloodline's opinion he's just getting involved and in trying to steal their spotlight and he's 
legitimately we've watched him try to save everybody. Yeah. And like I said a couple weeks ago, I think ultimately this leads to the Usos versus Owens and, and Zayn. I was okay. going to say, the, the beautiful piece of storytelling they did a couple weeks ago where Jay Uso hands Sammy the chair and tells him to hit Kevin Owens, and he's like, yeah. and he wouldn't do it. I was like, that yeah. is so fucking clutch. Well, and the two of them too, they've they've like shared some looks with each other too. Yeah. Every time that they're in San together, they kinda of look at each other like, I miss you, buddy, you know, and they're like, No no no. I was gonna say that pop when Owens comes to save him from the bloodline beatdown, oh my god. Yeah. It's gonna be fucking epic. Especially if it's yeah. in Canada. Exactly. In Montreal. Yeah. Montreal. Quebec. Which Quebec. it's funny, um we had a, uh, to go on a tangent, we had some uh, some people from from corporate come visit us at my job, and uh, I ta- I started talking to this guy, and as he was talking, I'm like, it's like, I'm pretty sure this guy's Canadian because he sounds like fucking Kevin Owens, and then like he kind of he's like he's like yeah I'm from Montreal and I was like, <laughs> I was like cool, <laughs> I was like I knew it, <laughs> oh man. Meanwhile, that cool. guy went home. Meanwhile, that guy went home and was like, I met this fucking guy today. He sounds just like the guy from Making a Murderer. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> Probably. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so well, um, I think- in, in that Dahmer series, at one point he says that he went to the market. And I went. Again, it's. <laughs> I, again, it is. It is apparently very difficult for people who are not from Wisconsin to do Wisconsin accents because they all just think they're that we're youpers and we're not. <laughs> Only the people in the Upper Peninsula are you to speak like the oh gosh dear you dear you youpers shit. Like I know I have an accent, but it is not that. So it sounds <laughs> like not, to me. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Can you watch it out over to uh, Indian Wrestling Dead Camera? Right oh no, 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 no. a couple <laughs> more things real quick. Um, first off, Triple H, I think, has done a really nice job of trying to pull the Judgment Day from the ashes that Vince McMahon tried to burn them apart in, yeah. and they're actually becoming entertaining parts of the show. Not that um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean... I'm actually super excited to watch Finn and AJ this week, and I think that's going to be... Finn and Edge. I'm sorry, Finn and Edge, um, yeah. and I'm loving the Finn and AJ story, too. Yeah. Do you uh, like Domin- yeah, that- Do you like Dominic going at uh, his father like he's a Bella? I hate you. I, I love Rhea Ripley you. going on the bump and saying sometimes Don wants Mama, Mommy. Yeah. Sometimes Don wants Poppy. <laughs> uh, although Finn Balor did have the moment of the of the week when he was like, when his cock was on the spot. No, no. When he was like, he goes, and then last night I beat your ass. Last week, I'm so angry. I said last night. <laughs> yeah, you did. It but he, cut, he, he recovered he so it. quickly. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was that, but was that great. also speaks to the fact that these guys have more freedom in their promos now mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And that's yep. obvious too. And watching it. Um, and oh, the other one, gosh. I want to give fucking tremendous props to Bailey because she is just next level since she's come back to the point where she literally pissed off all bunches of fans on the fucking internet. She basically said all these people fucking came and they supported me and they all sucked and they all wore their fucking ponytails like idiots and blah blah, blah. It's like and fucking including Izzy 
And it's yep. just said, I feel personally called out, and she responded, you're the worst. <laughs> there, was, there was somebody, there was a little kid that had a little sign that said Bailey, and she's like, nobody's going to see that tiny little yes. sign. <laughs> um, but as good as Bailey's been, I thought Bianca matched her on the mic this week. I thought yeah. she delivered, her delivery was great. By the way, the like, shorts are a great look for Bianca. Yes, yeah, she's I agree. Um, isn't, isn't it funny? That WWE turns around and goes, okay, we're not going to script promos anymore. We're going to give you kind of talking points and just kind of fill in everything. And they've just fucking ran with it. And the promos have been great and they've been fresh. And then AEW is like, hey, Marina Shafir, go ahead and go out there and just say what you want. <laughs> you know me! You don't know me! <laughs> or, I am the revolution, and it's the revolution, and I'm here for the revolution. Like, you have been in the wrestling business since you could walk. How do you do that bad of a promo? Perhaps she was better with somebody putting the Maybe, words in there for her. You know, it's it's uh it's because your name rhymes with shit. Well, you know what? To to be crickets, fair, crickets, 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 crickets. some <laughs> some wrestlers are better when they have their promo scripted. Some wrestlers are better when they can go just. You have bullet points and just go. And amazingly, suffer and suck attack. There you go. A booker that was where that's worth his salt would go. I know this person's not as strong on the mic. Why don't I dig out the fucking thirty-seven managers I've got in the back here and give them a manager who will talk for them because I know they're not as good as a talker. Hold on, hold on, because that's the beauty of that fucking segment. Is that Vicky Guerrero was standing there, yep. right fucking there? That's where I was the going same with look it. on her face we all have, which was, what yep. the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Brock Lesnar worked the best when now he yes. had a mouthpiece and yes, he had a mouthpiece in Paul Heyman. But every once in a while, they would give him the mic and he would say some weird I... off the wall bullshit, and you would just be I... like. I so love new Brock Lesnar that doesn't have a mouthpiece, though. He's, he's gotten much better, but I, I do still remember things like, Paul, say something stupid. That was great, though! <laughs> that fit you his know? character! Right, and that's what I'm saying. He was never, they, like, they awkward. Out, right, they figured out how to do that. The problem is, is like, yeah, you've got AEW starting around, it's like, okay, so Paige is going to be the face of the women's division. And no, then she goes, no, she's going to be the revolution. The revolution, <laughs> the revolution of the revolution. And then she goes out there and has one of the worst fucking promos ever, and you're like, oh, Wait, it's it's going to still suck. <laughs> don't they already have somebody that's the face of the revolution? Haven't they had that match twice now? I was going to say, who yes. won the ladder match last <laughs> couple months Scorpio ago? Scorpio Sky was the first one. Wasn't Wardlow the second one? I believe so. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Wardlow right. won it, and then he got that title shot against uh, Scorpio Sky when he beat him down. MJF yep. interfered, cost him the match. Yep. I mean, you could literally put anybody's name in there and say Wait. beat down, or you could say that Chris Jericho whiffed an uh, ROH title belt to their face and it caused them to lose. He always does that. Um, wasn't Cause, it because well, you always put up the sharpshooter by crawling towards the ropes? <laughs> what if what if the face of the Revolution match has a poker chip with Paige's face on it? There you go. Is on it? No, it has to be a poker chip with a digital screen that keeps going. Page here. Yep. And then you jizz on it. That's how you oh win. My God. All right, enough icky cookie. Let's uh, let's do some predictions. So, is there anything else before predictions? 
Um, I, I for some reason I don't. I could, for some reason, this Miz Dexter thing is still entertaining every week, and I can't wait for the birthday party. God, will you stop raping him? Well, <laughs> they're not going to. <laughs> so, I feel like, like we're glossing over the most important return since this new era of WWE. Candice LeRae. Candice. Nope. Oh. Well, first off, that was nice to see Candice back. It was yes. great to yeah. see Candice back. Shotzi's tank is back, yeah? Yes, it is. Well, uh, actually, I'll consider it back when I see it more for more than one week. But she actually, it actually like had pyro when she shot it. It wasn't like a fucking t-shirt no. gun. <laughs> this, this, this is not the Vince era. That thing is back for good for a good while. So that was awesome to see, and I loved seeing her in a program with Bailey too. It sort of rejuvenated my faith and and pushing Shotzi because I'm a fan. <sighs> she is she is good. You know, and it's she's got that unique look, which you knew like Vince wasn't going to be a big fan of. Right. If she can learn to slow down in the ring a little bit, because most of the time she gets in trouble, it's when she starts trying to go too fast, and you can see it all over her face. Yep. I know there are other things Troy would like to see all over her face, but well, of course. (laughs) He probably has those pictures somewhere. I I got the movie too. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, Throw your name in there. Uh, oh. I remembered it this time. Oh, we're doing On predictions. The, yeah. Why didn't you say something? Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Mike just got his predictions done. Oh, it says our site is not secure. That's not good. It always, it's been saying that for like a year. I think I pay for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first match that I threw on there, because I think it is what will open the show, is a six-man tag team, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Straight out of fucking Vince McMahon's playbook. Uh, the Brawling Brutes, Seamus, Holland, and Butch take on Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Sale. Who do you got? Um, I have the Brawling Brutes winning this match because Sheamus will lose his Intercontinental title shot on Friday's season premiere SmackDown. Okay. Jason? I'm going to go with Imperium. I think they just put this group back together. I don't think they want to have him lose just yet. I think they want to build him to be super strong. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Imperium as well because WWE has a tendency, no matter who's in charge, to make whoever is the one who created the match be the one who loses the match. <laughs> Not that the Donnybrook match is, you know, was created by Sheamus, but it is his match, just like, you know, The Undertaker had a buried live match that he never won. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the uh, An Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Uh, I am going to go with Liv just because I really don't think there's any point in putting the title back on Ronda at this point. Um, I don't know who gets the title off of Liv, but I don't necessarily think it's Ronda here. Okay. So? Um, I'm going to go with Liv, and I feel like Shayna Baszler is going to get involved one way or the other. I don't know if she's I can going to see turn them. on Rousey, but something's going to happen. I can definitely see them doing a Shayna and Ronda feud. Um, and I, boy, I don't know who you turn face in there. Neither of them are good faces. I but, guess uh, you go with Ronda, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I assume that Ronda will eventually get this title back around Mania time. You know, 
or at least be in a title program with whoever's got it again at Mania time. But uh, I'm going to go with Liv Morgan on this because I think this is this is finally one that they can have her just win with a pin. She has to win with a pin. Well, a pin the, where she's tapping, not a pin, not a pin where she like, you know, got beat 20 seconds ago and now she's winning. No, it has to be a legitimate win because otherwise, <laughs> stop doing this. Do you think when Roddy's wife calls Rhonda and she's like, "Hey, who's this?" and she's like, "You know me." <laughs> <laughs> There's someone who needs some scripted promos. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> A uh, good old-fashioned strap match between uh, Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. Sal, what you got? Uh, let's go with Cross. Not seeing him losing this. All right, Jason. Yeah, I don't think you have bring Cross back and then have him lose his first major pay-per-view match. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I think Drew's sort of bulletproof at this point. He could lose and lose and lose, and it doesn't really affect him. That guy's fine. People are right. saying to love him. He's got a big giant dick, so. Uh, <laughs> and he lays pipe all over Cleveland. That's true. Just yep. Cleveland. Yeah, as I said, that's why Miz had to had to move. Uh, <laughs> a I quit match between Edge and Finn Balor. Uh, Jason. Well, Edge and them won the match at uh, Clash of the Castle, so I'm going to go Balor. Yeah. Okay. So. I feel like Edge gave it away on his promo on Monday, but when he was talking about his wife, his daughters, I thought in my mind, oh, that's going to be a ringside. Somebody's going to snatch her up like Damian Priest, and they're going to threaten to do something to her, and Edge is going to quit. I can see that. I think think that Edge wants to do the thing that a lot of wrestlers do when they're on their way out and put guys over. So I think that this is this will be where he puts over Finn. The first ever ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Jason? This is a tough one. It really is, because I could literally see this going either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go with Bianca. I'm going to stick to my guns that this is where we see Sasha and Naomi and they help Bianca win. Okay, Sal? Same. Uh, it makes perfect sense. You bring in Sasha and Naomi in this spot, all the history Bailey has with Sasha, and now Sasha's the one that screws her out of the, the Raw Women's Championship. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Bailey. Uh, I'm going to go with them really trying to go full force into damage control and having them have all the belts. Um, but I could definitely see after the match them having two people come out and help Bianca, possibly Sasha and the other chick. Um, and and then kind of put that into like, hey, it's going to be war games now. We'll see. Uh, not officially the main event, but the one that I chose, the Fight Pit with the uh, special guest referee Daniel Cormier, Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins. Sal, who you got? Riddle. Jason? Riddle. Uh, he lost. He put over Seth last time. It seems to make the only sense here. And there's every possibility that Bobby Lashley does get involved, knowing that they have a match the night after. And sure. Daniel Cormier is there, and they're all legitimate cage fighters. So, yeah, yeah. all of them except for Rollins. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that you have Matt Riddle lose in 
an actual fight. Well, he, lost, he lost the fight pit in NXT, didn't he? Wasn't. Did he lose to Timothy Thatcher in NXT? I thought so, and I thought that, but and that one was I was okay with because Thatcher is also like a uh, like a legit tough guy kind of thing. Rollins is not a legit tough guy. I mean, I'm sure he could kick my ass, but <clears throat> and the final one just for we some know points. he can slay some pussy. That's true. <laughs> Will they reveal who the White Rabbit is? No. Uh, I'm going with no. Jason, you said no. Going with the just another tease. I think it's another build. Yeah, I think I think I agree as well. CL. Yeah, I, I think they're doing a tease, but I I I feel like Monday night season. Premiere, no, I feel like I, I feel like this goes still Survivor Series. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I. I oh, that's like what six weeks away. Yep. I think they're getting a lot of positive response to this. It's got a lot of momentum. Now, you do run the risk of people burning out on it. That's definitely yeah. a, a very real risk. But I think they try to push it. I don't know. also... I was just going to say, originally, I, when they started running the, the vignettes with the, the stupid uh, buzzard coming out of the puppet box, that didn't lead to the Firefly Funhouse for a while. It was a good right. like two months right. before they actually... Yeah, you know. But here's the, here's the thing. Like, it, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's a Bray Wyatt return. Of course it is. <laughs> do you do you do it at Extreme Rules or do you wait till one of the big five? I think that you potentially set up that this is a stable, but you don't reveal the leader until War Games because then you do put them in a War Games match. Yeah, it's possible. Possibly. But if they are going with the Bloodline of the War Games match, then I think you have you have him debut and debut after a match. I think you have to, and that's why Sammy's there to be the fifth in the War Games, right? Right, right. So, so they had started teasing dumping Sammy beforehand, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now everything's cool again. And I, the only yeah. thing that occurred to me that was because they needed a fifth for War Games. Yeah. They don't need a fifth for War Games, but yeah. I get what you're saying. It's a five on five, and you do. Usually, not always, though, right? <laughs> Wasn't uh, uh, traditionally WCW was five on five. Yeah, but NXT did a four by four with uh, NXT did a th- three a triple threat uh, three man team. Yeah, at okay. one point. But WCW also did a bunch of four and fours. Like that was the Horseman in the NWO it was four and four. Yeah, I mean it's it, the president is that, but yeah, like you said, I mean it, it seems pretty obvious that. It's, yeah, but the Dangerous Alliance was a five-on-five. Five. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right, go ahead and hit submit on that, and uh, we will be right back here again to discuss uh, Extreme Rules and obviously anything else that happens on whatever new backstage. The season premieres. Yep, the season premieres, which we start tomorrow. Um, new belts, maybe? Question mark. Possibly new belts. Possibly Legato del Fantasma. Yep. Ooh, nice. Yep. So. No, and I, I didn't preface that with a spoiler alert because it's not confirmed. Hey, um, question for you guys. Well, well. <laughs> if, if you go, if you go bloodline inside uh, war games, never go black. Who's their opponent? And is that the the guy? Well, that Drew, had, obviously. Drew, right? Kevin. Oh, Gargano, yeah. Okay. Gargano, probably. Yeah. 
What is? Uh, I was gonna say what is Street Profits? Maybe, depending on Tez. His foot was oh, in yeah. a boot on Raw. Yeah. Um, but is that who maybe the Wyatt Six shows up and attacks at the end of the match? Yeah, that makes sense. That's better. Yeah, or or you have the Wyatt Six be faces and attack the Bloodline. Nah. I don't uh, think so. It's, I think, I think it's difficult to pull it off to get them faces against the Bloodline. I don't know, yeah, because you, but if if you go with who we've been teasing, there's only Dexter as the only face, and potentially no, Braun's been a face. Oh, that's right, Braun too is what we were talking. Yeah, so Dexter and Braun, you'd have to turn, possibly Alexa. Alexa's been a face if you count her as one of the ones we've talked about. Yeah. Um, My only I was I was saying if you if you have them come up as as heels because obviously like um, Gacy is the the newest one that they teased with the most recent one like yep. he's a he's a heel um, obviously Karrion Cross is a heel so the problem is so, if you make them faces and you debut them against the bloodline Roman's never been one for that spoopy shit you know what I mean like his yeah. character doesn't play to that he, didn't, didn't Roman work WrestleMania with the Undertaker. Yeah, and he shut it down. Like, what I mean is, like, he don't, he don't. If you're trying to get this new Wyatt Six thing off the ground, you don't put him against gotta, Roman in the Bloodline because he'll. You gotta have someone who's gotta be scared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not going to. Be, he's gonna. He's gonna shit on it. Thank you. Which is his character, which is what he's he's supposed to do. So yes, I I get that. You probably don't want to have him go out there and shit on the new guys like that or the the new old guys. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, but here's the thing: we we can sit there and talk about this white white rabbit thing because it is interesting. It is something that is compelling, and the teases that they've kept kept coming out have made it where people are like, at this point, there's like 15 different fucking people that could possibly either be just one person or be in the stable. So, right. yeah. you know, that, do you think that's it was? Need to do. do you think it was silly them putting the the QR code on the back of Corey's clipboard when they had just shown it, like? 30 minutes before in the backstage segment. No, because no. if you want people to see something, you've got to put it out there multiple times. Okay. If I you want people to see a movie, do you advertise one time during a show or multiple times? Sure. I think it I think it adds to the mysticism of like, when did he get that when did, when did that get put on there? <laughs> you know? I think so. if you want Bray Wyatt to work this time around, he has to not be supernatural, but that's just me. Psychopathic. And I was going to yeah. say, the, the wide six might not be supernatural. Right. Just because it's it's creepy and dark doesn't, like, you could go the Joe Gacy route. <laughs> Some people yeah. have suggested the White Rabbit is, in fact, Joe Gacy. So. It's a, it, yeah. Look, there's a lot of clues. He himself that, has done that. <laughs> so, be interesting. Which also I would be, be fine with because if. It would fit his bill. He he is a great talker, and he is good at like the fucking kind of psycho cult leader stuff that he's been doing. And too. I think it would be a very memorable debut. Is that is yeah. the White Rabbit character a stable around Joe Gacy? Like good, that beautiful. Like yeah, and he, and he can bring up fucking uh, the. Dyad. And he made a comment at one point to something Shit. to the extent of chasing the rabbit. So. Yep. He's and, been doing uh, that a lot. Of and the then somebody went, "Did you say Andre Chase?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've been. He's been doing a lot of that. That obviously they've been doing a lot of like the the old Wyatt tweets and things like that that he's been talking about. The old promos he used to do, 
but they've also been adding other things. I mean, they added Alistair Black's fucking music on one of them. Right. And then that that's that's what got Tony's panties in a bunch with him turning around and being like, no releases, we're not getting rid of everybody, because he realized people were like, oh, that'd be really cool. And he's like, I can't have people take attention away from me. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, because Jim Ross comes out on Monday Night Raw back in 1996, or or very early 97, and he's like, I'm going to bring... Uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon to the WWF next right. week, and fucking Bischoff is like, ah, oh shit, I'm gonna sign you to extra money, and and yeah. lo and behold, 30 years later, they mention Alistair Black's fucking music, and all of a sudden, Tony's got his fucking panties in a bunch. That's, That's what it is, though. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that will draw us to a close here. By the way, am I wrong for loving Chase U? Yes. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, just... No, no, Andre Chase is fun. <sighs> Plus, like, Theo Hale is hot. I can say that she's 19. Um, <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with him pinning Carmelo Hayes. It's all to build something, though. Sure, I, yeah. They needed to knock Carmelo down a little peg to make him no, credible. That's fine. If he did. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sal. Thank you. Thank you to Jason. Hey, thanks. Good to talk to you guys again. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And nobody, nobody threw any fists? Not yet. Wait till we're off the air. All right. And thank you for going on. Thanks so much. Uh, I guess that means we will run your ass down next time. Next time, not next week. Listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundown wrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. 
or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash thesalzer effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.